Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Excuse me, please. <coughs> we have some terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. <coughs> he is a senior legal fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. <coughs> Excuse me, please. We'll also visit with Scott Beyer. He is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, space architecture and author of many books. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is April the 21st, and on this day in 1753 B.C., according to tradition and myth and history, Romulus and his twin brother Remus found Rome on the site where they suckled by a she-wolf as orphaned infants. Actually, the Romulus and Remus myth originated sometime in the 4th century BC, and the exact time of Rome's founding was set by the Roman scholar Marcus Varro in the 1st century BC. <clears throat> According to legend, Romulus and Remus were sons of Rhea Silvia, the daughter of King Numitor of Alba Longa. Alba Longa was a mythical city located in the Alban Hills, southeast of what would become Rome. Before the birth of the twins, Numitor was deposed uh, by his younger brother Amelius, who forced Rhea to become a vestal virgin so that she would not give birth to rival claimants to the title. However, Rhea was impregnated by the war god Mars and gave birth to Romulus and Remus. Amelius uh, ordered the infants drowned in the Tiber, but they survived and washed ashore at the foot of the Palatine Hill, where they were suckled by a she-wolf until they were found by shepherd Faustulius. Uh, reared by Faustulus and his wife, the twins later became leaders of a band of young shepherd warriors. After learning their true identity, they attacked Albalonga, killed the wicked Amulius, and restored their grandfather to the throne. The twins then decided to found a town on the site where they had been saved as infants. They soon became involved in a petty quarrel, however, and Remus was slain by his brother Romulus, then became ruler of the settlement, which was named Rome after him. To populate his town, Romulus offered asylum to fugitives and exiles. Rome uh, lacked women, however, so Romulus invited the neighboring Sabines uh, to a festival and abducted their women. <laughs> a war that ensued, but the Sabine women in intervened to prevent the Sabine men from, being, from seizing Rome. A peace treaty was drawn up, and the communities merged under the joint rule of Romulus and the Sabine king, Titus Tadius. Tadius' uh, early death, perhaps uh, perpetrated by Romulus, led to the Roman as the sole king again, left the Roman uh, as the sole king again. After long and successful rule, Romulus died under obscure circumstances. Many Romans believe he was changed into a god and worshipped there as the deity Quirinus. After Romulus, there was six more kings of Rome, the last three believed to be Etruscans. Uh, 
Etruscans, uh, around 509 BC, the Roman Republic was established. In the 5th century BC, a few Greek historians speculated that Aeneas settled at Rome, which was then set, uh, still a small city-state. In the 4th century BC, Rome began to expand with, within the Italian peninsula, and Romans, becoming into greater contact with the Greeks, embraced the suggestion that Aeneas had a role in the foundation of their great city. In the 1st city uh, century BC, the Roman per- poet Virgil developed the Aeneas myth in his uh, epic poem, The Aeneid, which told of Aeneas' journey to Rome. Augustus, the first Roman emperor emperor, and emperor during Virgil's time, and Julius Caesar, the great uncle and predecessor as Roman ruler, were said to be descended from Aeneas. So uh, from that, what you can tell is it spans hundreds of years, going first from uh, a little city-state to uh, a, a place with kings, and then with it became a Roman empire, a Roman uh, republic, with uh, some uh, really kind of the foundation for democracy, and then ultimately uh, again a uh, ruler. Uh, <coughs> uh, ruled by emperors. <coughs> Excuse me. Yesterday, Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill that reverses the 2017 state law requiring a unanimous jury decision for a death penalty. Under the new law, only 8 out of 12 jurors need to recommend capital punishment. The legislation is in response to the Parkland gunman's trial. Last year, a judge sentenced him to life in prison without parole after a jury voted 9-3 in favor of execution. The sentence infuriated the families of 17 people killed in the 2018 mass shooting at Marjorie Doman, Stoneman Douglas High School. Only three other states, Alabama, Missouri, and Indiana, don't require a unanimous jury vote. Now Florida has the lowest threshold in the nation for the death penalty. The law went into effect as soon as DeSantis signed on the dotted line. Or oh, yeah, As you may have heard now, Elon Musk's SpaceX Starship a rocket exploded four minutes into his first successful test flight on Thursday. The rocket was then uh, was the largest ever built. The massive rocket successfully launched at 8:33 a.m. Central Time uh, from uh, spaceport Boca Chica in Texas. <clears throat> the Starship capsule was supposed to separate from the first stage rocket booster four minutes into the mission, but the separation failed and the rocket blew up. But apparently, uh, this is not a total failure. In fact, they consider it to be a success because they learned an awful lot, and of course, they'll learn a lot from uh, discovering what went wrong when the uh, ship blew up. Uh, I have all the faith in the world that Elon Musk is somehow, some way, make this a successful uh, adventure. U.S. Customs and Border Protection uh, officers seized more than 800 pounds of fentanyl pills that were hidden in a shipment of green beans on Monday at the U.S.-Mexico border. Officers at the Ote Mesa port of entry in San Diego seized 3,520,000 fentanyl pills that were found inside a tractor trailer that was transporting uh, green beans. The CFBP said the drugs had an estimated street value of $21 million. So, again, just more evidence. This probably would not be occurring if we had a secure border, but unfortunately we don't. Conservative talk show host and former Republican 
uh, California gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder is running for president in 2024. He announced on the Tucker Carlson show last night. Elder hosted the Larry Elder Show, launched to a national spotlight in 2021 when he ran for California's recall election to remove Governor uh, Gavin Newsom from office. The talk show host, whose often used slogan is, we've got a country to save, told Carlson that he's running because he feels a moral obligation to do so and wants to combat the crime crisis, the, uh, the lie that America, America is a racist country and the amount of children being born into fatherless homes. I'm announcing I'm running for the presidency of the United States, said Elder. I feel a moral, religious, and patriotic duty to give back to the country that's been so good to my family and me. That's why I'm doing this. He made a re- uh, recent trip to key primary states and has a political action committee. Elder for America, that's raised roughly $1.7 million in 2022. <clears throat> I'm pro-life. I don't buy the notion America is systematically racist because I want to secure borders, because I want us to be energy independent, and you are urban schools are a disaster, uh, said uh, Elder. Elder uh, leaned on family's military background and said he wants to run to serve the country as well and recounted advice his father gave him, he told Carlson. Democrats want to give you something for nothing. You try to get something for nothing, and you end up getting nothing for something, Elder said. Pretty clever quip. But uh, I think this is going to uh, uh, probably doesn't have a chance to win, but I think his, his ideas will be important in the debate, and I think the more candidates, the better, especially good ones like Elder. And uh, <clears throat> we just saw that uh, Robert Kennedy is coming into the Democrat uh, candidate as a candidate. It's going to enrich the debate, it's going to enrich the dialogue, and it's going to help Americans make a better decision. By the way, Dan Bongino and Fox News have parted way effective Thursday when the host and the network were unable to come to terms on a new contract extension. Bongino is a former Secret Service agent, and uh, a network mainstay announced the news on his podcast. He said there is no bad blood in that he and his employer were simply unable to strike a deal that worked for both parties. So uh, I would only ask the question, I wonder what kind of a settlement he received in order to say that, because I don't, I don't believe it's true, but irrespective, it wasn't because they couldn't reach a deal. I, I think it has something to do with how they settled the uh, case with Dominion <clears throat> for uh, $800 billion. That's probably why Bongino is walking. Just my thoughts. Robert F. Kennedy launches his bid for a Democrat presidential nomination Wednesday with the support of 14% of voters who backed President Joe Biden in 2020. How about that? 14%. That's from a university, Suffolk University poll. In the uh, survey uh, taken Saturday through Tuesday, only 67% of Biden's 2020 uh, supporters said they would support him in the Democrat nomination over his current challengers. 67%. Kennedy stands at 14%, and self-help author Marianne Williamson, a chaotic uh, candidate from the nomination last time, is at 5, 5%. Another 13% are undecided or don't even know what's going on. Well, the national divorce uh, that uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has been advocating appears to be happening organically. You may recall she said we should have the uh, separation of <clears throat> the uh, red states from the uh, blue states, and uh, they should be separate countries, I think was her proposal. 
Well, a new analysis of Census Bureau data shows that since 2020, the election years, nearly 2.6 million people have moved out of counties won by President Joe Biden into those won by former President Donald Trump. So it is happening organically, isn't it? And uh, what we're finding here in Florida is that most of them are conservatives that are moving here. Uh, New York Chief's uh, financial officer, uh, Brad Lander, Lander, has announced plans to divest from fossil fuel stocks in the two largest city retirement funds. The funds of pensions, contributions, and assets worth about $170 billion. According to the story in the New York Focus, this is all about a new climate change plan intended to chart the course of retirement systems for municipal workers and teachers to net zero emissions across the portfolio by 44, Lander boasted. The most ambitious plan undertaken by a U.S. public pension fund. It may also lead to the New York pension bankruptcies. <laughs> the highest performing stocks in the industry were gas and oil stocks in 2022. ESG uh, and climate funds substantially underperformed the market. So uh, do the municipal workers know that the climate change fanatics are doing what the union uh, retirement funds? No wonder Biden has defined away the world uh, away the word fiduciary. This is such a, a shame. Just another reason why uh, you don't want to be in a blue state where they're practicing these types of things. It's going to reduce the, the return on investment. It's going to hurt retirees in New York. <clears throat> oh, and one other thing. On Wednesday night, Oakland Athletics president David Caval confirmed uh, the major league team reached a deal to uh, build a stadium in the Sin City in Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas had zero sport teams in 2016 and Oakland had three. If the deal goes through, Vegas will have four professional sports teams and Oakland will have none. Again, another blue state uh, losing out because of uh, people are just not buying the stuff. Over the last six years, teams have flocked to Vegas like bachelor parties to MGM Grand. The city is now home to the Raiders, the Golden Knights in the NHL, and the Aces in the WNBA. Meanwhile, Oakland lost the Golden State Warriors and the Raiders within one year. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. 
Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harton show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. Are you planning on traveling abroad? Well, you should know that most health insurance plans here in the United States don't cover international travel, and you want to be able to travel with confidence in case you ever get sick or hurt on uh, abroad. And you can do that by getting insurance through internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, I'm going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us William Yateman, as I mentioned before the break. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, We're a legal nonprofit, and we represent Americans for free um, and defend them from government overreach and abuse. It is uh, PacificLegal.org is the website, PacificLegal.org. So I was just hoping you could bring us up to date on what's happening with the uh, debt ceiling discussions and debate that's going on in Capitol Hill. (laughs) Indeed I can. Um, Just to set the table a bit, uh, the debt limit, $31.4 trillion. Uh, We blew past that in January, which uh, triggered uh, a what is known as extraordinary measures, quote-unquote, by the Treasury Department, which is basically shuffling money around. And those extraordinary measures, um, they're due to end in about six weeks' time. So that's where the rubber meets the road. Hmm. Um, As we've spoken of before, these ongoing negotiations, or I guess lack thereof, um, ongoing attempts by the House GOP to engage in negotiations with President Biden sort of uh, it came to uh, became concrete this week when Speaker McCarthy introduced his debt ceiling plan. So this is the Limit, Save, Grow Act, um, and it's 320 pages, and it's one of those good news, bad, bad news type situations. 
So it, the good news is there are some fine ideas in this bill uh-huh. um, in exchange for uh, lift, uh, uh, raising the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion. Um, the bill would uh, impose discretionary spending caps. So that's a good idea. Um, it would roll back Biden's student loan stuff. Another good idea. It would claw back about a trillion dollars worth of unspent COVID funds. You know, again, good stuff. Yeah. Um, the bad news element is we've spoken about this before. They didn't do the hard work of pairing this with the annual budget appropriations con- uh, process in Congress. And that's something that Congress has gotten away from over the last 30 odd years. Mm. Um, but initially, Speaker McCarthy had indicated that, indeed, he would pair this debt ceiling effort with the budget appropriations process, which would be utterly logical, which would entail, you know, kind of rolling up their sleeves and doing the hard work of parsing out and addressing spending cuts in, in sort of a more thorough fashion. Um, they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So they abandoned uh, that coupling is what it's known as uh, on Capitol Hill, those two efforts. So there's good stuff in the bill. Ultimately, it could have been better. You know, they eschewed the, the hard work. And as for what's next, um, Speaker McCarthy, he's got a four-vote majority in the House. He's uh, A vote is scheduled next week, and right now he is whipping votes like crazy. Yeah. Um, that is to say he is uh, doing a lot of horse trading <clears throat> and sort of doing everything in his power. <clears throat> as I understand it, Opposition within the GOP caucus isn't coming from uh, uh, the right. And indeed, uh, uh, the Freedom Caucus seems to be on board with this proposal. Rather, it's coming from centrists. So we'll see whether or not he can whip the votes uh, in time for next week. If he does, he will put Biden on the defensive. Um, That is to say, there is a growing number of Democrats in Congress and also Democrats on TV and, and, and pundits and whatnot who are sort of urging Biden to at least come to the table. And if McCarthy gets this vote passed, um, then it will, it will indeed put a lot of pressure on Biden to do so. So that would be good. Uh, that would be a very positive development insofar as it potentially, it would indicate that uh, we could lock in at least some spending cut. Yeah, and you know, <clears throat> I'm sure so. Well, you talk about horse trading. It, it probably involves the centrists might say, well, you know, I could vote for the for the uh, bill if, in fact, it included something. And you can just fill in the blank. And I'm sure there's a lot of those discussions going on right now. It could water down the bill. It could re, uh, it could take it off track and off mission. <clears throat> so <clears throat> he's in a difficult position. I'm hopeful McCarthy will pull it off. If he can come up with a bill that's been passed by Congress, it's going to give him a lot more strength in the discussions. It will significantly strengthen his hand, and you're exactly right. This is the unpleasant uh, making of the sausage, yeah. if you will. Um, so it, it, it's part and parcel of lawmaking. It always has been, and you know, if he can do enough of it over the next week, then yes, it will strengthen his hand very much so. And, and it, I, I'm loath to prognosticate, but I'd imagine it would bring Biden to the table. I think so as well. So let's uh, talk a little bit about what's happening in the developments in the uh, uh, Alvin Bragg's attempt to uh, to to convict uh, Donald Trump. Indeed. So uh, we spoke about this last week about how Bragg uh, filed suit to muzzle uh, an ongoing uh, House government uh, oversight and government reform. So House oversight committees investigation into his prosecution of Trump. 
Um, and uh, earlier this week, federal district court judge in New York, um, she rejected Bragg's effort and basically allowed the House Oversight Committee's investigation uh, to continue. Two hours later, just as the House committee was set to start deposing uh, a very gung-ho ex-prosecutor in Bragg's office, the Second Circuit um, paused. It's in legal terms, it's known as a stay, um, the lower court's order, thereby uh, uh, stopping the, the, on the investigation by uh, the Oversight uh, Committee. That was a, a mouthful, uh, but the upshot is the Second Circuit will... Uh, it's paused temporarily while it decides on the lower court case. So we should get a decision by next week. There's perhaps an irony here in that a great deal of judicial precedent was set during the Trump administration, new precedent in terms of how far Congress can go to uh, investigate the president. This was the source of Trump's tax returns that uh-huh. were recently in the news. Um, so the long and short of it is, is what's good for the goose is good for the candor. And that sort of precedent augurs very well in favor of the House or in favor of Congress's sort of wide-ranging capacity and scope um, to investigate. So uh, by decision coming down in short order from the Second Circuit, I, I don't want to predict decisively one way or another, but there's a lot of good precedent that was established during the Trump administration that suggests that Congress's power here is almost plenary. Um, so uh, I'm somewhat cautiously optimistic um, that the Second Circuit will uh, uh, will allow the investigation to continue. And I'll also note here very briefly Bragg's remarkable, ridiculous defense, uh, or I'm sorry, or you know, legal argument in in this ongoing controversy. He, he's claiming before the courts that it's uh, unconstitutional, inappropriate for the House uh, Oversight Committee to, to quote try to inject partisan passions in a forum where they do not belong. I mean, wow, that is the pot calling the kettle black. (laughs) Indeed it is. William Yatman, again, senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Pacificlegal.org is the website. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Scott Beyer. He is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Scott Beyer. He is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Scott, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Scott. Tell us about the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Yes, so we are one of the original 13 pregnancy resource centers in the country. started in 1974, and we are providing all sorts of resources and support for women and men in their time of need during an unplanned pregnancy, offering pregnancy tests, of course, ultrasounds, STI testing, uh, three years of material assistance and referral services, and much more. Uh, but we do a lot to help women in the state of Florida. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've had an opportunity at a couple of your events to see some of those people, hear their testimony about uh, how the experience has gone. And all of them exude a sense of gratitude and happiness about uh, the child that they were considering perhaps aborting and then decided to have the child. And uh, just very pleased with uh, with the results. Absolutely. Now, we're, we're here to serve and as obviously, in our current times, we're increasing our services and expanding our reach across the state of Florida, but uh, there's certainly a time of need here in the, in the country. Uh, there is indeed. So, Scott, it's also a tumultuous time, uh, and uh, we, we're seeing Supreme Court decisions. We're seeing uh, here in the state of Florida uh, a six-week ban or uh, uh, time limit for uh, getting an abortion just passed, I guess, in, uh, and signed by the governor. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Absolutely, yeah. This is an, a very misunderstood uh, piece of legislation. And on the one hand, it is great, right? Um, it's going further into protecting all human persons, in this case, up to six weeks, uh, if they have a heartbeat. Uh, it's important to note that it's not yet in, uh, in effect yet, right? Because of the privacy clause in our state constitution, uh, the state Supreme Court will be uh, deciding on the previous 15-week ban on, on its constitutionality. And if it's determined that the privacy clause in our state constitution does not protect uh, the right to abortion, then the six-week ban will go into effect within 30 days. Mm. And so on the one hand, it's great, you know. Um, on the other hand, uh, there's a sense also that, you know, 82,000 abortions last year in the state of Florida, uh, 45, about 45,000 of those happened before six weeks. So while it's good we're going to be protecting many more human lives, um, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. But there's still, like other states have done, Oklahoma and others where they've banned, uh, and, and they're protecting all you know, human life from conception 
you know, at the point of conception. So we're, we're moving forward. It's a great step in the state of Florida. It's exciting times. Uh, but there's a lot of political intrigue, and there's a lot of reasons uh, to have hope, though, at the same time. So how, how have, uh, what, what have happened with, quote-unquote, your numbers, so to speak, in terms of uh, activity at the uh, clinics and uh, the demand and so forth? Can you talk, speak to that? Absolutely. So we're seeing, you know, in any one of our clinics, our seven clinics around the state of Florida, we'll see, we'll see 12 to 15 clients, and that's increasing. Um, not so much from the ban yet because it's obviously not taking effect. Uh, and also we have chemical abortion in the mix, too, which we've spoken about in the past. That's increasing, and so we have a sense of women for financial reasons, you know, due to a, a tough economy and, and, and inflation and so forth, they're coming to us for, uh, for material assistance and support during their unintended pregnancy. But also we see the chemical abortion world, as I said, just increasing with a sense of urgency. Women are calling saying, hey, is it legal or not? And they're, they're having much more pressure. Uh, to kind of make a decision earlier, and our goal is to slow them down. Yeah, <laughs> Pregnancy doesn't have to be a crisis. Um, 80% of women don't know of the resources that are available to them in their area, and when they find out that there's tremendous help to get them through the tough time so that they can get to the, you know, the fruitful time of their lives uh, with, with their child, um, you know, women are choosing life, but they often don't have a knowledge of the resources that are available and we're just trying to be out there to educate people and help them see that they do have help available. Yeah, it's so important, Scott. Now, you know, I can only imagine unwanted pregnancy, especially a young person who's saying, uh, you know what, uh, I, I don't even want to tell this to my parents and my boyfriend. He's, he's He doesn't want to get involved. You know, I have no money. I have no material. I have no knowledge about how to raise a child. Uh, and uh, the community pregnancy clinics addresses all those issues. Well, yeah, and, and you know, we're actually uh, before, during, and after. So before an unintended pregnancy, we're trying to educate men and women on our college campuses, in high schools. We're putting our outreach coordinator, who was on last time with you, Catherine, um, into schools, talking about making healthy choices. So we're there. We're obviously during the crisis, during the time of unintended pregnancy to help them. And then three years beyond, we'll help them with material assistance. But here's another little uh, angle I think a lot of, and we know one in four um, people in this country have had a direct um, experience with abortion. So we're here for now support after. If they do unfortunately choose that option, we're there to help them provide healing. We have resources available, uh, supportafterabortion.com. I'll throw a plug in for them. It's a great resource. And there are people who need healing so that we can break the cycle of, of, of pain and dysfunction so that we can actually prevent a future abortion. Yeah, I just can't. I can't can't imagine a woman saying, "Boy, am I happy I got that abortion." I just, it just, uh, it. Uh, there has to be some sort of residual after effect. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's higher rates of depression. We know uh, physical, social, emotional issues happen after. And these women, you know, this, uh, you know, effort on the left to shout out your abortion failed miserably, because most people who have made that unfortunate choice know it wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't what they really uh, they wanted to have the baby often. But they just that they thought they couldn't do it, you yeah. know, and they thought they just had didn't have what it takes. And we always say, when a woman feels lovable, she'll be loveable. So if we can, as a culture, provide that love and support, provide the healing, uh, provide the resources they need, they're going to be able then to uh, to bring that life into the world. And and we know countless stories, right, of women who have chosen life and after the fact said, oh my goodness, thank goodness I didn't take the other option, and they have a beautiful family now. 
Uh, They just have to get through that time of need and crisis. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Scott. I wonder if you'd be willing to comment on the Supreme Court. They're deciding now whether women will face restrictions in getting a drug used to a most common method of abortion in the United States. Uh, This lawsuit is continuing. The Supreme Court, I guess, has put a hold on it for a while. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so this is another area of very much uh, needed education out there. So chemical abortion, RU486, um, is a really dangerous drug. It was, you know, first declared by the FDA to be one of the, uh, you know, few drugs that needed these REMS protocols, which is risk evaluation mitigation strategies. That's because that drug is really powerful and is dangerous. So in a nutshell, to summarize it, we have women right now who are doing self, um, self-inflicted abortions in their bathrooms. And so the trauma that's associated with that is one thing after, but how about during? There's infection possibility, hemorrhaging. Uh, If it's an ectopic pregnancy, remember, these women don't have to have an ultrasound prior to determine gestational age. Um, So now we have women who are harming themselves. 28 officially have died in the the country at this point. We know it's many more because it's often documented as a miscarriage when they go to the hospital. Uh, But unfortunately, the left is making money here. It's a revenue generator, and at the same time, women are being harmed. So we're at a really uh, critical time in our nation's history. If we allow this to happen, uh, shame on us, right? Shame, shame on us as a country to make it legal and government-sponsored. Yeah, well, thank you for that, Scott. And also, uh, before I let you go, I know that you've got a very active program on college campuses. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, that's our, you know, it's our college, our university model. And again, like I said before, uh, we're just trying to be present on college campuses and high schools as well to show, uh, you know, young people that there's there are choices that we can all make, you know, and healthy choices. And really it's kind of combating the left again who are in the kindergartens and first grades and second grades getting into the schools. We want to be there to be uh, an organization that they can trust so that if they do find themselves in an unintended pregnancy, that they'll have someone that they can trust that's not called Planned Parenthood, uh, which, again, is revenue-generating. Ninety-five percent of their revenue comes from abortion. We are cost. We are there to help, <laughs> and we are there to support, and that's what we're trying to do. So all this costs money, and uh, how, how can we support your efforts? You're not yeah, for so profit. so we accept time, talent, and treasure. We have so many volunteers and people who just want to be part of uh, the great things we're doing, and of course, the support side can, you know, obviously turn into the, uh, the that treasure that people do share with us. We do not accept one penny of government dollars, and that's on purpose. So there are no strings attached, and we are doing what we feel is best for the women and men we serve. But we are totally supported by private donations, and if anybody would like to look into how they can support us with time, talent, and treasure, they can do that at supportcpci.com. Support CPCI. Dot com is the website. Correct. Scott, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary and the wonderful work that you're doing in our community and in the state of Florida. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. <clears throat> okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. It's $15 million annual operation. It just has tremendous impact on the community. Uh, we help uh, politics. We get the politics and we know the policy. We help prepare legislators, people who might be new at the new, new job, and coming in and being effective and getting bills passed that really work to help the economy and help uh, the uh, states. The website is thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, renowned Nigerian scholar Okoreki accused uh, Bill Gates of conducting extremely risky experiments in Africa that involve environmental manipulation techniques, in quotes. Okoreki blasted Gates, radical billionaire George Soros, and other quote-unquote Westerners in the essay in the New York Times. The professor warned Gates and Soros that my continent is not your giant climate laboratory. According to his essay, solar geoengineering is supposed to be a direct climate challenge from the sun's rays. Instead, leftist billionaires are meddling in the country's environmental efforts. Okoreki isn't wrong, however. As Slay News recently reported, Soros is promoting a dangerous new technology that seeks to fight climate change by blocking heat and light from the sun to cool Earth's global temperature. Can you believe that? Oh, my goodness. And uh, what will the impact be? Does he know? What are the unintended consequences? Uh, and <clears throat> that's right. I mean, I, and uh, Bill Gates was also responsible for injecting uh, vaccines and all kinds of experimental things into Africans, uh, knowing full well that they he won't have the repercussions and oversight that you'll find in, in other more developed countries like the United States of America. We need to uh, follow up on that. Uh, manslaughter charges are dropped against Alec Baldwin. Prosecutors have dropped an involuntary manslaughter charge against the actor in the fatal shooting of the cinematographer Haya Hutchins on a movie in 2021, Baldwin lawyer said. Baldwin had denied he pulled the tr- gun's trigger, 
But uh, an FBI effort, uh, report concluded that someone had to have pulled the trigger for the weapon to fire. The movie, which is called Rust, is resumed feeling, uh, filming in Montana yesterday with Baldwin remaining in the acting and co-producing roles. So that's what you call having a good lawyer because of the, the gun was in his hand. At the time the person was killed, Hutchins was shot. And uh, so they still have the the uh, the woman who was responsible for the props. She still has a charge against her, but they've dropped the charges against the guy that actually pulled the trigger. Unbelievable. That's uh, the law system here in the United States. Our former acting CIA director told Congress that he organized the letter that falsely portrayed Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation in an effort to influence the 2020 election in favor of Joe Biden, and that he did so at the direction of current Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, according to a letter released Thursday by the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan. Can you imagine that? The extraordinary admission by career intelligence officer Michael J. Morrell provides stunning evidence that the now famous infamous letter from 51 security officials, I think it was a high-ranking generals and so forth, in October 2021, was a political dirty trick that originated with Blinken and the Biden campaign. Jordan sent a letter uh, demanding Blinken answer a series of questions about Morrell's testimony as lawmakers weigh the enormity of America's top diplomat accusing a nuclear-armed superpower of interfering in the 2020 election without evidence. So again, with these investigations going on, more and more evidence is mounting up, all the dirty tricks played by the Biden administration. And by the way, speaking of dirty tricks, former Representative Liz Cheney, remember her from Wyoming? The antitrust uh, Republican uh, face of the uh, recent House probe in January 6th in the Capitol riots has landed a book deal timed to stop the former president's apparent march to the GOP presidential nomination, set to be released just months before the 2024 primary and caucus season opens. The book already titled Oath and Honor, a memoir and and a warning will be described uh, described the threat of the U.S. democracy she sees in the riots and still in Trump. Well, those uh, hearings were just a total farce. And uh, the book, I'm sure, will be filled with lots of information that will be useless. I, I would be surprised if it sells 100 copies. But nevertheless, she's coming out with a book, doing whatever she can to uh, revive her, uh, her career. So uh, many people are wondering why Fox News settled with Dominion voting machines for $787 million in a defamation case yesterday. Some of the questions about this uh, settlement are like yesterday it was reported that Fox News settled again for $787 million. We don't know the reason why Fox settled. And there's a bunch of questions about that. And the most obvious question about the settlement is why did Fox settle for such an astronomical amount? This is a lot of money. Did Fox really believe that this was the best they could do? The remaining questions surround this first question. For the most part, uh, many Trump supporters' position did very little after November 3rd to say much about the election at all. A number of Fox News viewers were very upset with Fox on election night, and they've never watched them since. So what actually did Fox say that was so terrible? Uh, So it's not a crime to report the news. Media outlets have often shared what others report 
why would Fox feel they had that their dirty uh, duty to report the news was not a strong defense of the case? Fox and his hosts have a right to, to their own opinions and are permitted to conduct investigations, even if they don't believe it's legit. But if the public believes it, Fox has the right to report the news. So why did Fox News and its attorneys believe that they would lose the argument and they would not, did not mean to defame Dominion? This is a difficult barrier to meet in any suit similar to this one. Actual malice is a standard that Dominion had to meet. Evidently, Fox lawyers felt that Dominion would win the trial. No, I don't think so. There's just so much evidence here that suggests uh, that Dominion did influence the, uh, the, uh, the outcome of the trial. My opinion is now Fox is taking this position and paying this extraordinary amount of money to demonstrate evidence that the election results were legitimate. Of course, we know they weren't, uh, but nevertheless, there's a lot of pressure in uh, Fox News uh, to take this position. It's unbelievable. Just my thoughts. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can get tickets and find out more. They're building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. will be opening up on in 2024. Find out more by visiting Gulf Shore Playhouse. 
www.endowedprofessionalsfacing.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also uh, author of several books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Professor Larry Bell. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. Uh, you also write a column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point, and your latest is 10 Important Reason, Reasons EPA's Auto Emissions Plan Makes No Net Zero Sense. Happy we're getting back to this climate change business, Professor. Thank you so much for joining and t- Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm kind of bored writing about this climate stuff, and uh, <laughs> but but it's just it's so it's so imbecilic, and uh, and it's so impactful in terms of our our country and our energy and so on that kind of have to keep talking about this this nonsense. But you know, the EPA wants to uh, kind of proposal now to to uh, put more regulation in place to again change the climate and. Uh, phase out internet uh, internal combustion engines in favor of electric vehicles and and that includes uh, sports utility vehicles and pickup trucks and so on of the 2027 to 2032 models mm-hmm. model years and uh, of course this is this is insane for several reasons and I list 10 and they, they kind of come back to a just a handful, really, of, of key ones uh, that I think we've talked about in the past. I can kind of summarize them if you'd like. Yeah, I, I think just uh, giving a, a broader overview would ha- be helpful for our listeners that may not have really focused on the whole notion of climate change. Well, one of the reasons is because the, you know, of course, and I've written a couple of books on this, and uh, and it just keeps, it's like it's like a drunken uncle that keeps showing up <laughs> at the party. But, but it's, uh, it's the fact that, you know, if you look at the, the more recent uh, results in the climate models, they're running way too hot, and maybe two or three times too hot. And, and we know we're in a natural warming cycle because the, Warming out of the, warming ourselves out of the last little ice age it wasn't a, a major ice age, but it was a, it was a, a couple hundred years, and uh, and and so so there's really no reason for alarm. And anyone checking the records would know that that you know the severe weather in the U.S. has not become more, either more more severe nor more frequent. Uh, that's sim- that's simply in, in all the all the records we we. We know that there's it's indisputable, and the uh, ocean rise hasn't accelerated, and so on. So, first of all, everything is built on a on a, on a on an alarmist premise that isn't warranted. Another is because we're in response to that, we're uh, putting a lot of of new uh, with these regulations and proposals and so on, putting a lot of new uh, uh, electric dependent systems on the grid and our grids in the US are, are old and they, they and, and and at the same time where you know the, the administration Democrats are are wanting to uh, uh, get trans uh, transform our energy from uh, 
the 80% that relies on fossil fossil fuels right now, including coal and natural gas and, and so on, to uh, intermittent and unreliable wind and solar that provide about 3%. So mm-hmm. we're going to, same time we're transitioning to, to kill our energy, putting all these electric vehicles on the grid, and then they're talking about, well, let's, let's eliminate uh, natural gas, you know, propane natural gas stove hookups, and, and let's, uh, let's, let's get rid of uh, fossil fuel heating and go all electric. So we're putting all this stuff on the grid. And then on top of that, to keep this stuff going, particularly the vehicles, and we, we have to rely on a supply chain of rare earth materials, they come from China. Mm-hmm. They drill about eighty percent of the rare earths, and 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 then cobalt comes from the from the Congo. And China is big is Congo's biggest trading partner, and they and they're making big overtures now to build strong, stronger ties. And we and we talk about you know, social well being, and of course China and. Congo and so on. We're seeing, you know, child labor and so on, and uh, so so that make that makes no sense. And so it's really hard to. And and I guess above above all, you know, the public. You know, we live in a supposed to be in a free enterprise society where we're not like a communist country that has a centralized planning. You know, we we're, we we're supposed to be able to. Have the kinds of uh, buy the kinds of products that satisfy our needs, and electric vehicles don't work well in cold climates, and and uh, they have a lot of you know a lot of liabilities in terms of recharging times under the best circumstances and so on. So, bottom line, the public doesn't really want them, and the people that have them typically are are the much more wealthy class of people, and it's often for a second. A second car, and they're you know urban or suburban drivers. They don't work well in rural communities, and and so on and on and on. So so basically, we you know we're we're changing everything. We're changing our energy. We're changing our consumer choices. We're we're putting government in terms of in charge in terms of the products we're allowed to buy, and 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 so on, and. And it's not only insane, it's un-American. Right. Well, the other thing, Professor, is uh, that even if the oceans were rising and all these other things, uh, you know, they're claiming that it's carbon dioxide that's causing the problem. And to my knowledge, I don't think anybody's proven that carbon dioxide has a direct impact on uh, the uh, climate change. In fact, uh, it, it is responsible for photosynthesis, what makes our, our planet more lush and green. Well, we know that from satellite images, so we know how much greener it's done. People really, you know, the, the jury's really out in terms of, of <clears throat> carbon dioxide, in terms of if you were to double the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, what effect would it have on, 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 on temperatures? And uh, that's been that's been in study for some time. And understand that carbon dioxide, the molecules, each one you add has half of the saturation effect of the previous one. Huh. 
Just so it's not, it's not linear, you know. So, so the more you put in, the more the diminishing effect is. Huh. Until until the until the added effect amounts to about zero, and because it's, it's you know a friend of mine from Princeton, Will Happer, and he's a pretty smart guy, says it's it's like painting a barn red. The first coat of paint you put on the red the red paint is the barn gets really red. Yeah, and then maybe a second coat of paint, it gets a little bit redder. Yeah. And by the time you put a, a third coat or a fourth coat on, you can't you can't tell if it's any redder or not because the saturation effect of the of the of the of the uh, of, of the of the pigment is 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 reduced each time you put another coat on. Yeah, great analogy, Professor Larry Bell and Dowd Profile. I wish we had more time to explore this topic. It's so fascinating. Uh, again, I'll refer you to his book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, but also Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom, one of my favorite reads that by Professor Larry Bell on uh, climate change. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you'll join us on Monday morning. We've got great guests. If you enjoy the show, I hope you'll tell your friends. Uh, and also, if you have any comments on the show, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>